1: Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman.
4: Hello. Hello. It's a Seriously Special. We know you love them. Caroline, right now, in real time, you're like somewhere enjoying the sunshine you're not really here
1: i'm not really here that's why you can hear me talking
4: (laughs) (laughs) it's all an illusion so for the first episode of your holiday we're giving everyone a friends special which is super exciting because we've been wanting to do a a special about friends for ages haven't we
1: yeah ever since we started the podcast it's been like top of the list of stuff we wanted to do
4: like everyone knows Friends. Even my mum seems to think that she's seen like every episode of Friends going, which I don't think is true. But you know, everyone and their mother literally has seen Mm. several episodes of Friends. So we know that you're all going to be full of detailed knowledge about the show. And it's also back in the news at the moment, isn't it? Because some of the cast are coming back together for a special on TV without Matthew Perry, because he's doing a play in London. But it seems like there's going to be a slight reunion.
1: Yeah, it's not a proper like, new episode or anything like that, but it's a kind of celebration thing, isn't it? Yeah. And they're, they're all coming together for it, bar Matthew Perry, as you say. But it's, it's never really gone away. No. I mean, I feel like in the uk at least it was on channel four while it was coming over you know new episodes were coming over to the states and then as soon as and then
4: for years and then those? as soon as it
1: finished it, they just went right back to the beginning and started again and then um then it was an e4 and now it's on comedy central and they just it just goes round and round and round and round it's kind of hard to imagine flicking through channels and not finding one that had friends on
4: but it's interesting to see how much has changed since friends was on
1: both how like television has changed since friends because it was like such a massive event for the tv industry it was so successful made so much money etc but also like how our kind of watching habits and our kind of ways of judging choices that tv makers have made have changed like you look back at friends and the classic thing everyone says is like why are they all white Mm. that's weird
4: (laughs) in new york Mm. in yeah the mid 90s weirdly how much stuff we still see the same on tv mm. like the parallels between friends and so much of the programming that we watch now are huge because friends was actually not that traditional when it first aired right
1: no but now it is now you're still seeing and we talk about this a bit later like there's there are still shows on television now that you can just tell executives were like make we it need like new friends, friends. Like, <laughs> yeah you
0: know that's the new friends and that's
1: kind of astonishing
4: yeah so enjoy this we've got contributions from some people that you'll remember from other seriously specials and you know the new statesman podcast etc if you're listeners of that so we've got our dear friend stephen bush helen lewis Barbara Speed, Stephanie Boland, Anusha Shakilian, and John Elledge. We talk about a whole range of different things.
1: We talk about the like, politics and political correctness of it or otherwise we talk about the kind of economic moment that gave rise to you know people in their 20s living in a way that could be in a sitcom. We talk about its its legacy as television and how it kind of changed the industry and shaped what other stuff is on screens and we also talk about personal issues we now have with friends that we didn't the first time (laughs) round.
4: Yeah. We start off me talking to Barbara Speed and Stephen Bush about Red Ross.
5: Hi. (laughs) Hi. What's wrong, buddy? Someone at work ate my sandwich.
3: (laughs) Well, what did the police say? (laughs) My Thanksgiving leftover sandwich. I can't believe someone just ate it. Ross is just a
5: sandwich. Just a sandwich? Look, I am 30 years old, okay? I'm gonna be divorced twice, and I just got evicted. That sandwich was the only good thing going on in my life. Someone ate the only good thing going on in my life.
3: Some nice sweater vest.
5: <laughs> now I'm
4: here with Barbara and Stephen to discuss. Ross, aka the worst. Ross is the worst. This is a a topic that has not gone ignored since Friends was airing. We found a really great Tumblr, didn't we, called Ross is the dot com. Yeah. Which just lists like all of his terribleness from every episode.
5: Yeah, uh, I mean it's
6: working its way through. It's only up to season eight so far, so the worst is yet to come <laughs> in my opinion. I do think
2: Ross. It starts out at his absolute worst at the beginning. I, while rewatching Friends, compiled a document which you might call a Rossier of <laughs> all of Ross's worst... That's it there. Yeah. Worst <laughs> behaviour. The peak of his bad behaviour is season two, although the first joke he tells in the very first episode is designed to belittle one of the other Friends and pull attention back to him, Ross.
4: What is that
2: joke? The Rossier, to be honest, in some areas the detail is, is, is perhaps (laughs) excessive. (laughs) In some cases it's a little thin. I think the weird ownership over Rachel that he exerts right from the beginning is just so quiz-making. Early on in season two, when they're not together, he stops people hitting on her. Like he goes in and like defends her and then kind of expects her to be grateful for defending her. That
4: is a thing that Ross seems to have a general problem with, because he he often gets upset with people, like that whole bit where Joey gets with that roommate figure and the time that joey who's joey's gonna go out with charlie and he really hates that as well like he's very much like oh no these are my people that you're not allowed to like have interactions with at all which is kind of psycho behavior
2: isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and and you know he's angry that rachel gets to two weeks into their relationship a year after breaking (laughs) she breaks up with paolo he shouts at her in their room phrases about whether or not paolo was better in bed Oh who. yeah,
6: that is so weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, um.
6: And also counts at another point how many times exactly they had sex. Yeah, to and tell about when they're buying a sofa. Is yeah, that the... yeah. Oh, And God. also after they've broken up, tells Rachel that he still thinks about her like naked and there's nothing she can do about it. That's yeah,
4: is... so horrible. When <laughs> For she's someone who like...
6: wants to be your friend. I mean, obviously people do terrible things to their exes, but considering they're still one of each other's best friends. <laughs> That seems like a particularly dick move. Yeah, yeah the whole conversation is like, oh, you know, I'm a
4: human person who you don't, like, just get to sexualise. And he's like, oh, 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 I shut my eyes, I did it again, I sexualised you, oh. got it. You're like, Ross. The
2: the worst bit is, of course, the Mark incidents. Yeah. Uh,
4: oh my god, we should go on for days about the Mark incident. Includes
2: the most terrifying, no, I think the most terrifying line is when, after he's cheated on her, and uh, she's like, I want you to go. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay. And she's like, please, I want you to go. And he refuses to leave. And he's just like, oh, this is creepy. But he turns up at her place of work when she's busy. And she's like, I can't help that. I have a crisis. Well, I have couscous. And he's like, no,
4: you can't do that. Else. Can you imagine if it, like that happened in your actual workplace? You'd just be like, no, no, you're gonna like get me in trouble. Yeah. Go
6: away. Can we talk about a slightly left field Ross trope, which is like his struggles with food and drink, in which he thinks that his struggles with food and drink are incredibly important. Like he like gets the wrong coffee at one point. And he's like, why do terrible things always happen to me? <laughs> and then he like tries to have this Mexican night where everything goes wrong, and he cannot cope. And there's oh, obviously yeah. the sandwich incident where someone eats his sandwich and he's, he's like this is the only good thing I had in my life and someone's eaten it and it's <laughs> like there's no better symbol of a self-obsessed but like first world man who like his biggest problems all centre around food. Yeah, it's and so drink. massively like yeah. oh, you everyone else on this
4: planet serves to nourish me. Yeah, it's
6: Ooh. like my couscous is more important than your
4: than your work, Rachel. Also, mm-hmm. no like self-respecting man should refer to anything as a
6: moist maker. No, <laughs> I, think... I also think that sandwich sounds disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At yeah a side sounds point. Horrible. leftover sandwiches oh. are grim. But yeah. the the interesting.
2: Thing and in some ways a slightly troubling thing, and this is why I think ultimately he is going to kill Rachel at some point after series ten. Is that
4: your grand theory? This is
2: my grand theory. This is why uh, there will never be a Friends movie because actually the planned reunion is not really—it's a a clip show. It's—it's not—it's not a canonical Friends reunion episode. Uh, well, so however,
6: th- Matthew Perry isn't turning up. Is this because Ross has killed Chandler in the run-up to his murder of Rachel? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's going to escalate one by one. But... Maybe Chandler looked at Rachel wrong. And, uh... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah,
2: and I think the worst thing about the... Because I guess we do have to discuss the they were on a break question. I mean, do either of you think he...
6: He cheats on every single one of his girlfriends. Is that not correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once someone, a cheater,
4: always a cheater. I'm with Ross's mum on this. Yeah,
6: for someone who like claims to be this geek who women screw over, he really does act like a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a player. Yeah, he's like he's basically that whole exchange is about him
4: being like my emotions are the important ones here and like i didn't really want to cheat on you and i like didn't really like this other person so whatever feelings you might have about this incident don't matter because think, mine are the important ones i think it's more yeah.
2: sinister than that he knows this is the thing for always like we were on a break he knows it's a if you didn't think that it was a problem you would have like when you got back together on like full disclosure he runs all over town trying to kill off the story
4: <laughs> I thought you were going to say, to kill off the woman <laughs> yeah. who he slept with. No, yeah. yeah but... He
2: goes around telling everyone, you know, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't tell anyone I the did trail. this. Oh, the trail. That's the weird
4: sort of midnight bark episode of Friends where he like runs around every single like person who might have ever known yeah. this woman.
2: And he lies to Carol about what's happened. He knows that the we were on a break line is not actually sustainable.
4: Yeah. It's he... not... From the moment that he gets the voicemail, he's like, oh, God... Take your shoes, get out of my house. This is really, really bad. Like he knew it was bad the whole time. I guess the only the only thing you can say in his defence is that maybe he thought she was actually breaking up with him, and yeah. then when he got the call, was like, oh fuck, she wasn't. But, but that you, doesn't he, seem likely. He
6: doesn't allow her to have any problem with this, despite the f- fact that he holds the fact she's had other boyfriends as a grudge. Yeah. So like he gets really angry about Paolo consistently, despite mm. the fact they were not by any. There was no imagination overlap. together. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And he's also just like the the idea that you might know <clears throat> other men who you've never even had a relationship with Yeah, exactly. It's stressful to me.
6: And there's quite a good. So one of the best entries in the, um, Ross is the worst Tumblr is a, the episode where it turns out Rachel had a kind of like a lesbian kiss at university oh, yeah, and God. they've called it um, the one where Ross feels the need to impose his heteronormative viewpoint on the group while at the same time <laughs> making Rachel's collegiate lesbian <laughs> experience all about him. So he just thinks her entire romantic history is Backstory, played out in relation yeah. to him yeah, and then so is really shocked that she's annoyed that he just slept with someone else while they were essentially still together yeah
4: and like to add insult to injury the fact that he couldn't even bother to listen to her feelings by reading the letter like obviously that's meant to be like a funny joke that he fell asleep while reading the letter but literally he just doesn't care like he was bored he fell asleep he doesn't care about that
2: whole plot line when they get back together briefly in that time is like ross at his most dark I mean, like, the weird thing where we're meant to think that, like, Bonnie, or whatever her name is, has become unattractive because she has no hair.
4: Yeah, when actually she's just, like, a clear stunner. Yeah. it's A <laughs> Nancy Portman scenario there. <laughs>
6: yeah.
2: Um, it, once again, it's that he cheats on every woman he's with, but he doesn't even, like... Oh, it's just so... It's so discomforting.
6: <laughs> so have you heard of the soft boy... Oh yeah yeah yeah. So it's this like idea of like a a a guy who is so caught up in his own feelings that he cannot see that he's being a dick. And I think that Ross which is all might men. be Yeah, and <laughs> I think Ross is that. Like I think his like complete upset over tiny things like food kind of shows that he just thinks his feelings are so important right. about every issue that he can't even conceive of the fact that he's being terrible.
2: The interesting thing with friends though is it feels deliberate. Scrubs, which I think is much Less good, yeah. You know, partly because of the quality, the dip in quality is much more
6: pronounced.
7: More
2: pronounced. JD is obviously a kind of really horrible boyfriend, yeah, and just a real, actually a pretty horrible and another horrible paranoid
4: friend. kind of like overly sensitive, yeah, but disregarding of other people's feelings character. Yeah, but
2: I feel that the writers of Scrubs don't seem to be as a it's mainly like, oh, we needed a comic whatever where he's like interested in another one so he can have another like one of his mm. weird montage fantasy things. Whereas the stranger thing in Friends is the script is completely aware of how troubling Ross's behaviour is. There's a bit when Phoebe says when he's worried that Emily may leave him because she's hanging out lots with Susan, wow, Carol turned you into a bit of a monster, didn't she? You know, you're so clingy and lists lists all of the, the things he's done there is a when the in the episode where Ben Stiller is Rachel's angry boyfriend, and all of the rest of them are like, Oh, yeah, Ross is bor- bothered by someone Rachel's going out with. What a mm-hmm. shock. Yeah, yeah. And we're repeatedly shown how uh, the Geller parents spoiled and cosseted Ross. So the slightly troubling thing is Ross's slightly psychotic behaviour is not an accident of the writing. It's something which is repeatedly mm. acknowledged and explained by the writers. So
4: what do we think that means then if in the end we're like, oh, I'm so glad that Rachel didn't get on the plane and follow her dreams. <laughs> I'm so yeah, glad she wonder... returned to her controlling boyfriend.
6: You wonder if there was a discussion about that because I think people see it as a really open closed kind of romance in the stars. Yeah. Classic TV relationship. But I don't think it's that clear because, I mean, they make him behave terribly to the extent where and you almost think that... Trying to convince you, no, this, they're not meant to be together. And it doesn't matter if she was like popular in high school and he was a geek. He's actually still just horrible. Yes. <laughs> He's a Mark Zuckerberg figure. The interesting is his behaviour does improve
2: in the final seasons. My instinct is... The reason why some foolish people believe Phoebe is the worst friend is as the writing quality dips a bit, Phoebe is the source of a lot of conflict and her character becomes... Phoebe does something crazy in service of a Mm. joke or to move the plot along. And by the end, Ross is just like a boring, slightly nerdish character. He also does
6: act quite well over the birth of Emma. So I think the period in which they're kind of living together and they're not together, he actually isn't that bad. And she gets quite upset by him dating. Mm. And things are just on a much more even keel, I think. And I mean, he gets quite angry about the whole Joey accidentally proposing to Rachel thing. But again, that he does not act in the way that season two Ross would have acted. But that is—is is that not also the
4: time of the plotline where he hates the hot male nanny?
6: Yes, but that's I well, this is a separate thing I think that there's his his relations with Rachel, which do get better, and also I think that we can kind of excuse a little bit more a character who acts psychotically because of their feeling for another character, but I also think his the way he treats his other friends is also, also just really awful, <laughs> like he gets really angry when Joey. Kisses his hot new flatmate Despite the fact that Ross has no relationship With this woman <laughs> whatsoever, before and he before And Jerry
4: lives with her
6: Yeah he acts fairly terribly At Chana and Monica's wedding And starts crying Because they've had A successful wedding In which no one was yet Gay or really drunk And he's like You did it the first time And it's like Really and he's very tries sorry to for him, so. the
2: bagpipe playing on him. Yeah,
6: he tries to play bagpipes <laughs> at their wedding, even though they don't want <laughs> him to. And actually, I mean, people's boyfriends often are terrible, but why would you put up with a friend like Ross? Yeah, that's
4: so true. I don't know. What, so, how long do we give it before Ross murders Rachel after the end of season 10?
2: I think. So, crudely, I think Ross is the kind of man who expects regular sex and probably thinks of it as an entitlement. I think things will be fine. Oh my God, this is
6: getting so Emma, dark.
2: Emma's getting quite old by the end of the show, right? And I think it's when the second baby happens. You know, Rachel will be tired. Let's face it. How much childcare is Ross really going to do? He <laughs> sees his son do like remember once when he, a season. He tries
6: to make one margarita, has a breakdown, and goes yeah. to bed. <laughs> he starts parenting a pumpkin instead of his own child again. <laughs> Gets another monkey. Yeah. yeah,
2: he'll get really cranky. Um, there'll be some like hot teacher or hot nanny or some other man than Ross will feel threatened by. Or Rachel will have to travel more for her job because he'll obviously want to move to, like, the sticks. And then he'll beat her to death. <laughs> wow. um, I think it'll be a kind of quick, sudden thing. You yeah, know, like, he'll, like, you know, accidentally, like, grab a bloody yeah. instrument.
6: But also I think that his erratic behaviour will increase and won't be caught by people at work because he now has tenure.
4: But will, will they not spot the return of Red Ross. But <laughs> I think they
6: will, but there's less they can do about it. So I think that things will spiral out of control because he won't be checked in another, arena mm-hmm. of his life. And also, then... do you
2: think Ross is going to tolerate being paid less than his wife? I mean, ultimately, no. like he's a, he's a professor of, of, um oh God, paleontology at a museum in New York. His wife is like a hotshot fashion, whatever. Their incomes, at yeah. the end, they might be equal, but that is not going to stay. He is not going to be the kind he, of... You know,
6: he's going to be the kind of man that wants her to be constantly pregnant. Yeah, Yeah. as
4: a controlling mechanism. Yeah. Oh my God, it's you. all so disturbing. Yeah,
6: he's going to flush her pill.
4: Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably end it there. <laughs> anyway, Ross,
7: the worst. The worst. The this worst. has been a discussion.
1: Do I dare ask?
7: Yes, I'll start with the carpaccio and then I'll have the grilled prawns.
3: That sounds great. Same for me. And for the gentleman? Yeah, I'll have the Thai chicken pizza. But hey, look, if I get it without the nuts and leeks and stuff, is it cheaper? You'd
2: think, wouldn't you? Miss?
1: Okay, I will have the, uh, side salad
2: And what would that be on the side of?
1: I don't know Why don't you just put it right here next to my water?
3: And for you? Um, I'm gonna have a cup of the cucumber soup And, um Take care.
1: (laughs) And now John and Helen are here to talk about friends and money and work. Which, if you've watched the early episodes of Friends again recently, you'll know that they don't ever really seem to go to work, do uh,
5: I, But yeah, but I think that's one of those things you just have to accept. It's sort of the thing, like, there's a bit that Joss Whedon says about Buffy, which is when you do a kind of supernatural show, you're allowed to change one thing and then everything else has to be plausible. Mm. I kind of think this is the one thing that you you just accept that Friends would be quite dull if they only saw each other once every kind of three weeks. And in real life, mm. who has friends that they see that much? That's weird. That would be weird people. I think yeah. it is a
3: science fiction show. It's a science fiction <laughs> show set in a parallel universe in which an unemployed actor can afford to rent an apartment in Greenwich Village.
1: Well, cause, so this is the point, isn't it, right? So. Friends is very much kind of the first big show that puts this moment in history on screen, this moment where 20-somethings are suddenly a thing. You didn't just go from kind of living with your parents, going to high school, maybe going to college, then settling down, getting a family home and having a family. Suddenly you were kind of living this this extra bit in your 20s where you lived with other people your age in a sort of flat share arrangement and you didn't necessarily have the job that you thought would be your career.
5: That was the think piece that was, uh, you know, you're not old enough to remember that John and I are old enough to remember Friends think pieces. But that was the big think piece that everybody wrote about the fact mm. that, that just like the creation of the teenager in the kind of 1950s, this was the creation of the 20 something. So you left college or, you know, you left your parents house and there was now a full decade. And it's one of the things when they've been talking about a reunion that they say actually the magic of it is that that specific time of your life it always aimed to capture one specific time of your life and actually you're just not friends with the same people once you've all got kids and that's what i think the latest Mm. series suffer from that is that they're trying to still shove people into that kind of mid-20s friendship box when actually they they ought to moved on it actually becomes as i think you see with with joey it becomes a bit tragic like what's you know sort of tooling around trying to be artistic and creative in your 20s is, is kind of okay if like if, if Joey is still Joey in his 50s then that is a person who's lived quite a sad life I'm sorry yeah. to re- <laughs> no no, register. it's true and he, he <laughs>
1: he's still going on the same sort of like not really going anywhere dates at the end of the series that he was right at the very beginning which but you know,
5: and, and still trying to do a career that he's not any good at I yeah, think that's the point not it? really it's that no one has said to him maybe let it go
1: Joey yeah because this is the is kind of like you say the great alteration is that they don't ever really go to work. It, they they do play with this occasionally, though. I, I can't remember which episode it's in, but there's definitely one where they're all sitting around in the coffee shop and one of them goes like, oh, why do I never have any money? And one of them goes, maybe it's because you're all sitting around here at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. And they all leap up and like dash off to go to work. But that's that's played for love.
3: I mean, the, the other way in which Friends is very much of its time is there is kind of a change in... Our attitudes towards the city and mm. urban living that that happens in the '90s that you sort of see in all the statistics. If you look at sitcoms from the '70s and '80s, they're all set in the suburbs. And in the 90s, suddenly people That's want true. to do That's true. Roseanne is
5: all of them kind of going bowling and them getting in their truck and going yeah. places.
3: But you, it's not just friends. You also get this in Seinfeld. You get Caroline in the city. In Britain, you've got this life. Suddenly, like the idea of being 25 and living in an apartment downtown is aspirational in a way it's not been before. And this is actually reflective. If you look at the statistics, people start living in city centres again in the 90s. I don't mm-hmm. know whether sitcoms are cause or effect here. But there is definitely sort of a change in in the attitude there. But um, it also
5: takes people out of their family structures as well, and I think that's one of the really interesting things. So Friends starts, Ross's wife has just left him. She's yeah. just left him so for someone. So he's returning
1: to the sort of so 20-something life, isn't he? He's
5: back on the dating scene he didn't yeah. think he would be, and then, you know, he goes, I just want to be married again, and then Rachel walks in in her wedding dress, and Charlie goes, and I just want a million dollars! And that's the thing, is that she has consciously rejected a, a continuation of that suburban life with Barry, the mm. orthodontist, mm. And, and they've all broken away, and, that's, and I think Rachel's story is really interesting because she is for those first few seasons kind of poor little rich girl mm. learning to actually reject one you know a comfortable way of life in which her parents would have given her everything she would have but she, obedience would have been kind of demanded of her and, and becoming an independent person with all the difficulties that is and that's the thing that you know you don't see very much of people's families they have to bring them in later because they just I presume at that point like desperate also if you're having weddings it's kind of weird yeah. if you don't bring in people's parents but that never That never really works for me, seeing it's really odd to see Monica and Ross's parents, for example. You're used to seeing them as independent people, not as members of of generations of families, Mm. I think. But the, the point
1: about Rachel rejecting all the money, I think, is a really good one. Because that's not a tension that's very often explored in Friends, right? The fact that... You've got, I mean, God knows what Chandler's job is, but it happens in an office and he seems to have enough money to basically subsidise Joey. That's so assume he goes to Tulsa.
5: <laughs> That's accidentally ends up
1: going to Tulsa. So we assume it's something kind of boring, like a data analyst for a big company or something like that, right? So he has a lot of money. Ross is somehow a tenured professor, even though he doesn't... A lot of
5: money in anthropology. Even though he doesn't seem to often go to work or yeah. really succeed at
1: anything, but whatever. And then, who's the other one who has money? Monica is a shit. Monica Monica, cycles in and out of. um, So, but in the early series, anyway, she's got like a steady job at. A chef in a Manhattan
5: restaurant so you assume that must pay which enough. also
3: raises questions about what she's doing hanging around a coffee shop rather than being stuck in the kitchen I yeah, know the only you know.
5: chef who doesn't work 9,000 hours a day but I know but, what you mean and, and it's very rarely explored except and actually I think it doesn't particularly work when it is explored so that one episode the one with five steaks and an eggplant features a gig they all get gig tickets to go to Hootie and the Blowfish
1: for somebody's birthday isn't it yeah
5: and and then and, the, and it's that thing that happens often in friendships in your 20s like one person says let's all do this together and some people have to kind of go well actually I don't have any money, and it becomes. Mm. I think the reason that they don't normally explore it is because it can often become such a sore spot in friendships that you all go for a shared meal and someone goes brightly. Let's just divide up the cost. And they have this occasionally in friends where, it, where someone's just had a side salad, like, yeah, and and they don't want to have to uh, to chip in. But mostly that that stuff is quite uncomfortable. And I think that's a, one of the reasons that they try and shy away from it.
3: It's also not clear how they can afford those apartments at all. I mean, I think it's. It Isn't it suggest- rent control? Isn't this when Yeah, he I mean, it's it suggested labor that Monica... Labour in has rent a- control. Monica's effectively inherited a rent controlled apartment from her grandmother, I think. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's p- been passed down the generations. It's actually quite a good argument against rent control <laughs> that kind of locks in the already privileged.
5: So but- is Ugly Naked Guy, presumably, because he doesn't seem to work. He just spends a lot of time sleeping on his sofa until they. Get poking with the long poking device.
1: Yeah, you you assume he must have a job, I don't know. know Or or just, yeah, a, a relative who lucked out, really.
5: But that's interesting in the sense of you saying it's a show about city, because I guess... Primarily for budget reasons. You see far less of New York than you do, for example, in Sex and the City. Sex and the City really feels like it's a show about New York, and there is more about it. like You have well, to Friends live in it. It's
1: a... not filmed in New York, is it? it's Do they
5: film on a soundstage it was, in it was, LA? It it's all
1: on sets in LA, I think. Um, and so that's why you see the exteriors. So, like, outside Central Perk is a set. Like, it's a whole street that they built as a set. And so the exterior shots are the kind of interstitial bits with the music because they they have the people in.
5: But I think the way that kind of moves to your argument is that it becomes then a generic urban show rather than any yeah, specific thing about in New York in the 90s. Yeah,
3: it's a show about living in a city, yeah. not specifically New well, York. Well, probably.
1: occasionally when the guys go to like a sports team or something, it's a New York sports team, the Knicks, that's the one. But um <laughs>
5: that's and, my
1: not, And they do like it is Joey is very specifically from Queens, like that is But but part I guess I guess thing. the point
3: is you could transplant it to Chicago or LA or wherever it is yeah. without needing to change that much in the way you couldn't do it. Exactly. And city. they
5: never say things like Oh my god, New York in winter is so cold, or oh my no. god, New York in summer is so stifling and impressively hot. That there's not that kind of texture that would come from being in. An well, they're not air. British, so they probably they don't talk about yeah. the weather at all, really. Well, it doesn't. One of them goes to um, one of Phoebe's brothers goes to Minsk at one point, and they say that must be really quite cold, and you think, yeah, but you know, New York is also colder here. LA <laughs> yeah. is not, obviously.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, actually. That. Would friends work if it was in any other city? And I think you're right; it probably would.
5: I th- but I think it, I think John is exactly right. It happens in a sort of in a, in a generic ur-city. Er city. Mm. It happens in in ninety. It doesn't. It is a science fiction show in the sense that it happens in nineties Urbansville.
1: And that's true, actually. That when when I was younger and watching it, it made me think America was cool. It didn't necessarily make me think New York specifically was cool.
3: It made me think that. I mean, I was a teenager when it was on. It made me think that City Living was cool Mm. in the same way that some of those other shows, I like particularly This Life, that was my vision of what life was going to be like in my 20s. Is it? Uh, Well, I'm 35 now. Was it? (laughs) um, um, I mean, I'm still kind of clinging on to the centre of London with my bare hands. But yeah, I mean, this was kind of, this was what I imagined the future to be. And that vision wouldn't have been there sort of 10, 15 years earlier.
5: Mm. But I also think it's, yeah, that's why it begins to feel quite sad almost by the end. That they're, they're, It begins to feel like they're trapped in that life. Yeah. Um, Shut like... up.
3: No. I, just... I, I, I really like living in London. I'm married. Everyone's fine. <laughs>
5: but you know what I mean? They, 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 like Even just stuff that I feel like I'm sort of slightly infantilised by, like the fact that I don't drive, you very rarely see them driving because they live in a, supposedly they live in a city and they would just presumably just catch the subway everywhere. Yeah.
1: But, um, and even when they do, it's in like Phoebe's grandmother's cab.
5: So it's like yeah. very
1: specifically a kind of, of the city vehicle that they then take out to that none wherever. of their own, like none yeah. of them,
5: and then that's when the, that's where you get that bit at the end where Monica and Chanda move to the suburbs, and they all kind of go, "Oh, now is suburb time." Yeah. Like, you know, our life is over. That that part of our life is is over. It's intimately connected with the idea of living in in the inner city. I, mm. think. I feel really old now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's made me sort of think: Was Friends kind of subliminally creating desires in me that I can never fulfil economically? I mean. Was it making me think that I could ever afford to live in a place like
5: that? And, but yeah, no, you are never going to have any of that stuff. Oh, that was depressing. Thanks, Caroline. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
2: Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
3: parents, uh, Judy and Jack Keller. It's lovely to meet you. So are you his mother or his father? <laughs> what? I've never seen one before. Dad, here's Ross. Why don't you go talk to him? Oh. I didn't even have a chance to act as though I'm okay with it.
4: <laughs> so now we're going to talk a little bit about how Friends has dated since the 90s in terms of its political correctness. That's one of the first things I feel like people talk about with Friends is when you're like, oh yeah, looking back, do you remember all those jokes that now seem a bit Mm. dodgy? I think, I don't know why this is the first one that springs to my mind, but fat Monica, like fat Monica seems pretty tasteless to me now that it's just like hilarious that when Monica was young, she was fat because now she's like skinny and acceptable.
0: Yeah. And there's that awful episode where they look back at Thanksgiving and Chandler thinks Monica is is gross when he goes to visit Ross's family for Thanksgiving because she's fat. And then the next year she's thin and he Mm. wants to try and seduce her. And that's a really stark example of how that joke is just so jarring and
6: quite yeah. offensive. But I think that a lot of the stuff that we now are less comfortable with, re- including that actually stems from the weird insecurities of the male characters because of the thing of like discomfort around fat women is actually quite a lot to do with Chandler's reactions to Monica. That's how they kind of play it off. Yeah, Um, And then also the constant thing of them being worried that people think they're gay. So there's a whole Mm. episode where someone at Chandler's work thinks he's gay and then people say, oh, you've got a quality of being gay and he freaks out about it and then there's another episode where someone intimates that Ross might be gay and he gets really stressed out about that and And the napping (coughs) episode where which one is it it Chana and Joey who are
4: napping together I think it's Ross and Joey it's Ross and Joey which is funny because they're
6: like not friends yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, but they
4: nap together Um,
6: yeah and then they both get really uncomfortable about it and then they both actually want to try it and it's kind of slightly satirical but I think now you do get a bit on edge I think all of us maybe when we went back to watch the earlier seasons were a bit worried that Actually, it might actually be just quite offensive and quite yeah. Yeah. Um, prejudiced in its outlook. But I don't know. I think that when I went back, I found that it wasn't quite as I thought it would be, that there's a there's this acceptance, I think, that the characters do have limitations on their um kind of acceptance of others, and they do have huge hang-ups. But I also think that the format of the six of them is used to really send that up. So, I mean, there's an episode where Ross and Rachel, which actually quite later on, get a male nanny, which Ross is unbelievably uncomfortable with and essentially wants to sack this guy from the get-go just because he's a guy. But then what actually happens is that it becomes clear that this is because of Ross's dad's attitudes when he was growing up and that he was shouted at for being a sissy and told not to play with dinosaurs and to be a real boy and all this stuff. Weirdly, the nanny is still sacked at the end, which I found really uncomfortable. The
4: ultimate resolution is still like, yeah, this guy's a bit weird.
6: Yeah, and it is obviously like a plot point rather than like someone who's actually allowed to just have that job because that's normal. But I think that the use of these issues of political correctness is quite interesting because it's quite discursive. So you learn a lot about the characters' outlooks and they do change in their outlook.
0: Yeah, there's a similar thing. It's probably a bit more frivolous, but when Ross is really stressed out about Ben having a doll... And he keeps trying to show him action men and 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 dinosaurs and stuff. And And every every single character, the men and the women, are like, Ross, why are you making such a big deal? They don't even like pay that much attention to him stressing out about this. And I think that's an example, like Barbara was saying, of the other characters being used to show up the prejudices of some of the characters that they have. And I think there's a similar thing that happens when Chandler and Monica have started going out and they sort of a few months into their relationship and Chandler suddenly freaks out about the idea that Monica might want children he just gets it in her head that she's obsessed with having babies and then in a similar way he's just completely shown up and Monica's like no and there's no sort of stereotyping and I
6: think it's worth remembering the framing of the program as well so when it was launched obviously none of us were (laughs) at an age where we could be critically thinking about this but (laughs) it was actually quite a boundary pushing show in that these were young people without proper jobs there was quite a lot of swearing and sex the fact that the women so monica sleeps with someone on a first date quite early in the first series and that was actually quite a it wasn't necessarily first for mainstream television but the fact that she's not mocked for it she's not shown as being particularly easy or anything i think they all have like these residual prejudices from their upbringings but actually they are living quite a progressive modern life and That was the real starting point for the programme. And again, so early on there's a plot about, um, I think it's Phoebe's friend, who needs to come out as straight, having been gay. Which is actually quite a long way forward in the presentation of gay characters. It's quite funny, it's it's an inversion of an accepted process. But at that time, again, you wouldn't have had that many people coming out on TV, in sitcoms. And again, it's this is obviously a secondary character. All six of the main characters are white and straight and end up in incredibly traditional relationships. But for its time, I think it's actually a lot better than maybe we give it credit for. Yeah, and I
0: think even the very premise of it, that there's this group of friends who are in their 20s and some of them are men and some of them are women, but at the beginning, I don't think any of them are seeing each other or romantically interested in one another, I don't think, apart from obviously Ross's long-term crush on Rachel but I think yeah. they the I think north. that the very premise of them not being like sexually involved they're just friends and they just hang out and, and that's quite a non-traditional yeah, relationship to have on yeah. TV yeah and you don't see that that often and you have like nice little things that like, I've noticed from rewatching it all that Chandler and Rachel have lunch quite a lot like when they're at work they go and have lunch together and stuff that's nice. Oh, and yeah. they have the
6: issue with the episode with the pie, yes. which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, and yeah, and I think that I mean, there's a really great thing on Slate, which someone spent an enormous amount of time doing, in which charts how many scenes each of the characters spend with each other. I think maybe there are some which are far less than others. So certain combinations, I can't remember off the top of my head, but will have had like only like 0.5% of scenes spent together. Mm. But what's surprising is that each pair or trio or four do have scenes together. That it is meant to be that each has like a very particular relationship to each of the mm. others. And again, male-female friendship. I mean, I suppose it's disappointing that most of the male characters are kind of linked to the female characters at one time. Like, mm. Monica and Joey have a kind of free song when they first meet. Is it just Shana and Rachel that don't? I think possibly. Obviously, Ross and Monica couldn't. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> so, I mean, Shana's whole joke is that he's so useless and awkward with women and I think again that ends up having some slightly uncomfortable less politically correct moments where he's I don't know he's kind of judgmental of women he kind of can't talk to them and stuff. but that is slightly balanced by the fact that he's so kind of comfortable and respectful of his female friends
4: yeah I mean there's there are some bits that still feel like a bit of a problem to me the one the one that I still think is like bad and I think this just reflects the time more than anything else is the whole thing with Chandler's dad and the idea that, like, Chandler's dad, by having a sex change, has, yeah. like, traumatized his, his child terribly yeah. and, like, yeah, <laughs> essentially ruined his life. And, I, and while I think you're right, even in, like, the whole thing with the male nanny, even though they fire him in the end, the punchline is. They're ridiculous people. They can't cope with it. Like that's, you're still laughing at Rachel and Ross in that scenario. But with Chandler's dad, it always feels like Chandler's, at the end of the day, seen as the victim. Yeah, and the reaction from the
0: other friends is always sympathy
6: rather than like, yeah, they're not like, well, that's so cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, even the fact that his mom is like a sexually active 50 year old or whatever is seen as being hugely damaging to him. His whole relationship with his parents is very Yeah, they're
4: not really allowed to, yeah, have like a, full sexual life. But there is that one episode where Monica says like your you know, your dad or slash mum should come to your wedding and takes charlie to see the show and stuff. But I still feel like even in that whole plot line the idea is like, yes, this is like a bad thing that He's happens that you concession. have to like try and get over yeah than and being, it's kind of like, helping him through prejudiced. it rather than well, then even, his, like lesson, yeah, even his attempt
6: yeah. to kind of ruin his own wedding because he hates his surname so much. That's basically the reason yeah. when he's like, oh, I don't want to be the Bings because my parents are so Oh, yeah, appalling. when he goes missing. And you're, <laughs> yeah, and he, he clearly cannot see his own parents as being people.
0: Yeah. What do you think of the treatment of Carol and Susan's relationship? Because I always think that there's a lot of cheap comedy derived from the fact that they're a lesbian couple. Yeah. Like, I was watching an episode recently where Joey is entering an audition with Ben to be father and son and joey's like isn't it a bit weird that i would be seen as ben's dad and then chandler's like weirder than seeing their mums making out and it's mm-hmm. a bit like there's a lot of stuff like that and i know it's yeah more of its time than really being like intentionally homophobic but i do find that stuff jarring yeah it I depends
4: really it. where the laugh is doesn't it because yeah. if the laugh is like how ridiculous for ross to be insecure about that when gay people are fine and yeah. obviously something that no one should have a problem with or whether the laugh is like, yeah, but he's got two gay mums. Isn't that like yeah, a funny thing? Exactly. And it's yeah. it's sometimes you don't quite know which side of the coin it's falling
6: on. But it's equally, I mean, they are probably the most prominent gay characters in the entire program. Yeah, so there's definitely. also the fact that they're there from episode one as a reality, as seen within modern life, which I think is good. Yeah, I think they're cheap jokes sometimes. They, they are and then often used to of, send up yeah. Ross, aren't yeah, they? they are are often, yeah. Usually he's the punchline. And it's yeah. the yeah. kind of quite clever scenario in which Ross... This kind of comes out when they attempt to have a threesome with this woman from Carol's gym. Oh, yeah. And he's oh, then kind right of left out of the threesome. But it... That I find I think is actually quite a clever plotline because it shows that he's so obsessed with his own sexuality and the idea that a threesome with two women is so sexy that he can't even see because it is ridiculous that he wouldn't have had any idea yeah. or seen what his wife's sexuality was despite allegedly so having been with her since essentially childhood. Yeah. Mm. And that's it's never really kind of brought out into the open, but that is quite an interesting way for them to have done it. I think.
4: Yeah. Mm.
6: I also think they are shown to be
4: a very like strong and good and happy couple. It's yeah. not like. Yeah, they're,
6: they're the, the sorted ones, and Ross yeah. is like the neurotic yeah. one. Yeah, and it's not like
4: Carol is like, oh, actually, that was just a phase because I hated you. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm gay, and yeah. like, we're parents. And yeah, exactly. And they definitely are shown to be the better, better child carers,
6: and the <laughs> yeah. prime, prime yeah, yeah. As in, yeah. When does Ross see Ben after the like, <laughs> series? <six? laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Do we think it's realistic how whitewashed New York is? Or do we just think it reflects the fact that they would like only have like each other as friends? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's hard yeah. because there
6: are so few. I mean, they definitely don't date many no, not or at any, all. They don't seem to meet. The anyone. only other characters are people they're dating generally. They don't yeah. have any. Yeah, other friends. that's true it's just complete absence really. Yeah, it's it's just, just, I can't even think of any mention. I don't think there's the even that race. much
0: discussion of race in it either. No, not at all.
6: There's um, not it's just like it's a, it's a
4: thing that doesn't exist there. I mean, yeah. uh Helen and John have talked about how it's a bit of a fantasy landscape. The makers have been like, yeah, like in our in this kind of New York, everyone's white. Yeah. I mean, yeah. saying
6: that Ross does date two women who aren't white? Yeah, but again, his relationship with them is so messed up. Yeah, um, they're, they're like
4: Charlie's a great character. She is, yeah, and, and she's she is introduced amazed, quite yeah. late in the series. It's almost a bit yeah. like they're like, oh fuck, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> these people, you know, these people exist and can be like
6: three dimensional. She then goes out with two of the friends as though to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, prove just, the quota. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um,
4: yeah. I do think where the show falls down is less in these like big plot lines about like my ex wife is gay, but more in the like little moments so like oh we're going in for a hug but we won't do that because it's like gay. yeah like yeah. It's, it's it's more the throwaway comments to me that are more revealing of the time because you just wouldn't have those throwaway jokes in something now you'd have
0: yeah, to like cause
6: deal cause with it properly. That funny. yeah exactly. and also
0: the the male obsession with the idea of their female friends making out that, that crops yeah. up quite a lot and that it is, is a bit so annoying. childish
6: yeah. isn't it yeah. you wonder <laughs> if it was a conscious decision to make the women more forward thinking than the men because they are kind of fairly unashamed in their sexual openness and the men do occasionally make jokes about them being kind of easy but that just makes them look stuck up and kind of repressed yeah. because again the women are actually far more successful sexually than either Ross or Chandler really that someone's done a graph of the kind of cumulative sexual partners of everyone over the series and Joey's obviously way up there but um, the women do slightly outperform the men which is actually, if it was intentional, it is quite funny and does slightly explain those male characters' kind of awkwardness and backwardness. Yes, yeah.
4: and people do often talk about the 90s as being like a time of complete male anxiety, like why yeah. lads mags mm. were so popular again because men were quite like, oh yeah, like yeah. boobs, love them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And maybe, that, maybe what these characters are sometimes showing as well is although I'm sure there are genuinely lots of homophobic lines in Friends, at the same time there's also a bit of a like look at these ridiculously insecure men and the women yeah. are often shown to be like, guys get it together so in general we think not as bad as we thought it was going to be in terms of political correctness there are some big standout like sore thumb moments but Mm.
6: But there are also quite important moments of discussion or kind of moving forward of ideas about gender or sexuality that i think are of value as well keep your expectations
4: low
0: and you'll be pleased Exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) this doesn't have to be so sad though you know Maybe instead of just thinking about how much you're gonna miss each other, you should, like, think about some of the
4: things that you're not gonna miss. I don't think
7: there's anything.
1: Come on, there's gotta be something. <laughs> no. She's perfect. Oh. Uh, I have one. <laughs> Good. Great, okay, you can go first. Uh, well, I guess I'm not gonna miss the fact that you're never allowed to move the phone pin. <laughs> you can't really
4: talk about friends without talking about friendship so that's what we're going to discuss right now the main question on my mind is how good is this show at portraying real life friendships and there's a lot of people who seem to re-watch friends looking back and say oh actually as the series goes on this becomes a lot less about a group of actual real friends and a lot more about like one-dimensional characters having their like one-liners I don't know how far we think that's true.
0: I think it's true to the extent of what activities they do together, but maybe that might be something to do with their age, as well as the fact that the tone of the show slightly changes. So they're often doing wacky things together in the earlier series. Like they go and play that football game. They make these weird, like fireball, they make games. And and Phoebe (laughs) makes that little doll's house and they do really weird stuff together. Phoebe throws that party for Rachel where she buys loads and loads of cups. And I think that they're, they're a bit more goofy and they do kind of those things that you do do when... It's sort of like a thing that you do at university, you know, when you've got a lot of time on your hands and a lot of friends who live really nearby and you just hang out and do stupid things because you've got a lot of time on your hands. (laughs) So for you, that's more believable. So I think that's more believable. But then maybe as they grow up, they do that less and that's
7: natural too. And this definitely seems to be what's happening in other related or kind of comparable TV shows. So girls is suffering from the same problem at the the moment, right? Whereas you grow up and you establish a job and a partner in external relationships, that setup of a core group of friends can't really be maintained with a group of characters in their 30s because your life isn't like that.
0: Yeah, no, and they also, I think, I feel like they go on more trips together in the earlier series as well, like they go to that beach house, yeah, yeah, with all the sand on the floor, and then they also go on a skiing trip, which is awkward because Ross and Rachel have just broken up, and they do a few more things like that that I think are more... Realistic when you're portraying a sort a of group of really close friends, and they stop doing that. I think in the future series, yeah. There's
7: that very awkward trip where they go to Ross's conference. Oh yeah, and yeah. Joey yeah. and Rachel have the kind of on there, but it it has a very different. That's right, tonal. In the end, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's. But really I think that's more a vehicle for
0: all of the awkward relationship breakups. They have to hook-ups. all be in one place yeah. again, so
7: they have to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that's less similar to the guys. Let's take a trip, and then they all kind of just bundle into a car, and they argue and they play games and they I think Joey tries to make them play strip poker and he, he succeeds yeah. in playing and he wakes up with yeah. the sand as a mermaid Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. so do we have like favourite relationships out of the I mean what is the possible number of pairings in that six, six factorial but yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: do, what, what are people's favourite ones? It didn't used to be my favourite which I will talk about later <laughs> on but my favourite friendship is probably Rachel and Monica because I think that's quite a nuanced deeper one than some of the others they argue quite a lot which i think doesn't happen as much between joey and chandler in a serious way but they also have quite a nice way that they live together so i think they put like i remember one of the scenes where they one of them puts a blanket on the other because one yeah, of them's upset that's quite cute. and there are just little, the- moments little moments that make it quite realistic
4: i really enjoyed a lot of their arguments as well because yeah. they've got the they've got the argument about the lamp yeah. which i really like yeah. is very early on isn't it yeah. where like rachel's like you know what i'm gonna have
7: this what, does after she break it, the she, she takes it yeah she takes it from Mr Heckle's house after he dies if it, Monica accidentally breaks it is it covered in shells is it's that yeah. covered in shells and it's got like a hula girl on the bottom I want to no that's, the, that's the a different clock. piece of rubbish yeah see that's what she gets
4: in the rubbish. end instead like yeah, as a, yeah, as a yeah, peace yeah. offering but I like that because that is the kind of thing that with friends that you otherwise get on with you might have an argument yeah. about something like that about like hang on you think this flat is yours when actually it's our flat yeah. that is the kind of thing that you might argue about similarly When they're leaving the flat, where, and, and, uh, they're, they're talking about all the things they're going to miss and they're getting really weepy. And Phoebe out of jealousy or something is like, what are you not going to miss? Like, can you not be so depressing? What are you not going to miss? And then they, and then they're like, oh, nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing at all. And then one of them is just like, Actually, I guess I won't <laughs> miss the phone pen. You're like, oh my God, that is so something. That's yeah, so it's so with your friends yeah, it? When You'd you live like, with people. Oh no, you're absolutely fine. I love living with you. Apart from her, like, you never do your washing up. It's really funny. I actually don't care. But like, I really care. Can you not do that? Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
0: taking the trash out, Rachel's like never taken the rubbish yeah, out before. Ever. <laughs> and then she has this really odd experience when she tries to do it. But also, I, I like the episode where they, one of them bumps Ben's head and they have to try and like get <laughs> through the day together. And I really like that because they're kind of like new parents together in a way and yeah. they're bickering but they're also absolutely terrified and then they both try and bang their heads against the, the side. And they're
4: both worried because they've both got quite, you know, not difficult but like they've got their own tensions in their relationships with Ross. Yeah, exactly. So like obviously Monica as yeah. the sister and Rachel is, the, is she the girlfriend at the time. I think she's the she
7: girlfriend. Is, yeah. 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 And it's definitely, I mean it's interesting because that, I guess not necessarily in the 90s but that's still a relatively recent thing that you'd expect you're going to spend your 20s living with someone you're not related to. Mm, yeah, And to portray that relationship and how Becomes that kind of family unit. So, yeah, and it yeah. becomes
4: infected with a tension that might not otherwise exist if all you do is like go to nice restaurants go and spend nice yeah. time together. Yeah. 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 What about you, Stephanie? Do you have a favourite I pairing?
7: I was going to say the same, but I'm also really interested in Phoebe and Joey as mm-hmm. a relationship because they are never a couple and they don't, apart from the Joey Rachel thing, which I just find quite awkward, they're never really involved in a couple in the relationship. Yeah. But they're really good friends and you kind of see hints of them doing that kind of zany, stupid stuff Mm. quite late on in the series. And I know there was some suggestion that the actors kind of said it should be in there that they were sleeping together all along, just in a very low-key friends with benefits Mm. sort of way. But when I go back and watch it and watch that kind of tight, friendship that's slightly indefinable i find it more interesting again more interesting than i did when i first watched it when i was 11 or whatever and didn't
4: i feel like with them you could believe that they would emotionally support each other through quite a lot of things even if you don't necessarily see that many on screen
7: i mean i have a kind of wider theory that joey's one of the most emotionally literate of the friends in in (laughs) in the series and that he tends he tends to kind of not have that same bitter sort of masculinity which Chandler and Ross have slightly more, and um, yeah,
0: actually they're probably the two characters with the least hang-ups, aren't they? They they're kind of quite straightforward. They don't seem yeah. to have that many issues, in spite of um, the actual Phoebe's issues, Tara, <laughs> and, you know, Phoebe's yeah. mum killing herself, and and I don't think Joey has that many. <laughs> And mean, pretty, apart from I think good... he feels a bit insecure because he feels like he's more stupid than the others. Yeah. And he does it when that person comes around to sell him a dictionary, and you actually yeah. get an insight into the way that Joey feels a lot of the time when he's among his friends and they're having their fast-paced witty yeah. discussions, and he can't Though really I have join to say in. you don't see
4: any of those on screen. Like, no. Like in that fantasy, <laughs> no. <laughs> they're all talking about politics, but like from for the viewer, like there could have been no events no of any significance exactly. between <laughs> They
7: don't never talk about the news. Yeah. 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 But it, but it's because um, there is that episode where Phoebe is with her sister and realizes she's actually thirty. She thinks she's oh, about yeah. to turn thirty, and then her sisters lied about their date of birth or something, mm. or or failed to inform her they're actually thirty-one. And it's Joey who kind of steps up and helps her through her list of things to do before you're thirty, oh, yeah. and kisses mm. her outside the cafe, and and Joey. she teaches him guitar, even though it ends up being and an French, argument. Even she though does, th- yeah, they she does teach
0: being... him things, yeah. so. that joke they're quite when... generous with each other.
4: Yeah. And there's that joke when Monica and Chana just think about Joey's like emotional literacy, where they are adopting, uh, and they get Joey to write a letter, and it looks like a child's written it, but it's still like very emotionally like perceptive because it's like these are all the reasons why they'd be a good parent, and it's yeah. just, and it's like very accurate and and heartwarming. Yeah. But so although maybe on the surface he seems infantile, he's actually like more perceptive than most of the, mm. quote, adults in the thing.
7: And I really like that side of him as a character because I feel as it progresses and it becomes Joey's stupids, it slightly lets him down. In the earlier series, he's not the brightest, but he's got kind of... I always think of that episode where the wizard is coming to town and they're going to go party oh, yeah. with Gandalf. Yeah, <laughs> And they sort of go, didn't you read Lord of the Rings in high school? And he's like, no, I, I had sex in high school. I had friends. <laughs> but he's, he's got a kind of more multifaceted... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: So do we think that reflects something that a lot of people talk about with this show, which is the idea that our our lovely, warm characters are just reduced to stereotypes by the end? What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think there is some truth in that. I think they do end up being more like individuals who do one-liners that are in keeping with their characters. I think it does turn into a bit of that, but because they shake things up with the relationships with Rachel and Joey and with Charlie coming in and Mike coming in, I suppose... I don't think it matters that much because we've got new things for the characters to deal with. So I Mm. suppose it doesn't matter that they're not doing as realistic friendship scenarios as they used to be doing because we already know them by this point as well.
4: Yeah, you've just rewatched almost every episode, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell? Yeah. So do you think the quality does significantly drop off or would you actually argue that it doesn't?
0: It's a bit difficult to say when you're rewatching it because you're anticipating all the episodes and the storylines that you really like. But Mm. I would say I prefer the earlier series than the later one. On the whole, yeah. Fair enough. What do you think, Stephanie, about
4: the character? Yeah, I
7: think the same thing. And actually, I was quite surprised. I I went back and kind of watched some of series one or, or series two, and I was quite surprised how multifaceted those earlier series are having watched it kind of when it was on tv up to the end when I went back I went oh these are very different kind of more nuanced Mm. but you're right it's because all of the conflict is is internal at the start so it's got to be about personality clashes in that group and then as it opens up yeah you're not so focused on that
4: yeah I think there are points where they can handle that kind of stuff quite well so One of the moments that I feel like everyone remembers and loves is the argument that Chandler and Joey are having where Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes (laughs) (laughs) as the opposite of what hiding his clothes or something.
7: Um, yeah. Chana
4: takes some of his clothes and he's like, I'm going to do the opposite of that and ends up putting all of Chana's clothes on. Oh yeah. And that is a moment where it is really about like reducing characters to stereotypes because he's doing a Chana impression and he's like, could I be wearing yeah. <laughs> more clothes? And that's it. But it's funny because the argument that they're actually having is quite specific to their relationship and is quite. it feels like while there is like a joke that one of them is making about
0: the bare bones of another one's character there is something slightly more nuanced going on at the same time yeah I quite like it because it's quite knowing as well so it's it's almost like the writers are saying to the audience we know that you know, some of it's a bit silly and and that these characters can sometimes have quite repetitive tics that are a bit cheap. Yeah. But they do sort of acknowledge that quite often. Mm. Um Like even with Monica's Cleaning, sometimes it's it's sort of so extreme, but it's almost like a joke with the audience rather than a joke in the series.
4: Yeah. And I, I think a lot of what keeps you watching a show like Friends is familiarity. Yeah, And that's the whole point. It's like, oh yeah, all well, these, these people that know each other so well, like you do the audience because yeah. you spent so much time with them, right?
7: Yeah, and I think it's a, another moment which I think a lot of people enjoy is the episode where they wager their apartment and do the quiz show yeah. <laughs> and that's a very Definitely. similar kind of knowingness of how many categories of towel does Monica have, she's got 11 different types of towel but it's that same Yeah and I think of... with the who knows what
0: Chandler Chandler's job is, I think that's a joke with the audience because it's like yeah I know, we ne- they never go to work, no one knows what they actually yeah. do and it's kind of like a joke with the audience rather than a joke among the friends that they don't know what their friend does I think
4: Yeah because a lot of these punchlines depend on the fact that, which I think was the Main aim of Friends of the Show is that you feel like you are the seventh friend. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when yeah. people, someone says, Oh, Monica has 11 categories of towel, you're like, Yeah, we know that about Monica, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh. so like
0: that. <laughs> so, as
4: long as they keep making you feel that way, yeah. then they're doing it right. I think. And
0: also, there are bits where um one of them will go, Shouldn't all of you guys be at work now? And then there's another bit where um it's like, Oh, we should invite people around for a party, and then they or, or like the phone rings and they count the number of friends who <laughs> yes, are yeah. in the room, and it, I think those are really good knowing jokes about like, yeah, we're not breaking this format. This yes. is yeah, this <laughs> is such a yeah.
7: yeah. It's
3: never gonna happen. <laughs> what? You and Rachel. <laughs> not <laughs> because you waited too long to make your move and now you're in the friend zone
1: now i'm joined by stephen and stephanie and we're going to talk about the legacy of friends starting off with things we say because they were in friends
2: could this be any more of a way to end the podcast <laughs> I'm
1: yeah. sorry. I'm that's, so sorry. That's, that's definitely so one
7: i mean just generally snark right The The idea of speaking in that kind of sarcastic register to your friends, I'm sure that does predate Friends. Has that been influenced by sitcoms and by Friends? Well, I think, you know, it's in Seinfeld and stuff as well, but I think
1: as one of the biggest sitcoms of all time, Friends definitely brought that to a primary school near you. Yeah, and I guess (laughs) it kind of,
2: it coincided with, at least in the UK, and I know many seriously listeners are not in the UK, but here Starbucks arrived in the UK basically at the same time, Mm -hmm. and Friends uh, made it big in the UK. And I suspect, without wishing to throw any shade at the good people at the Starbucks coffee company, that without Friends, Starbucks would not have been as successful.
7: Yeah, I think that's probably fair, because I remember being a teenager when Starbucks was first in the UK, or almost a teenager, and it being suddenly very cool to go and have a frappuccino in Starbucks. Yeah, because it, it is, had yeah. the big
1: armchairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which, could, yeah, exactly, which <laughs> somehow just made you feel like you were in Friends, even yeah. though
2: obviously it's not a Starbucks in my Friends. bit of East London, we had a bootleg coffee shop called Roasters, uh, which was kind of like a bootleg Starbucks. And it wasn't very good, but we thought we were very sophisticated uh, <laughs> by hanging out there. But
7: there's also more specific things, because I know Caroline and I have both read a blog post on the Oxford Dictionaries blog about specific phrases that have made their way into our common parlance, the most obvious of which is zone. Yeah. Whose earliest usage is in Friends. The idea of putting someone in the friend zone. Which is a Ross and Rachel at one point says she's put you in the friend zone, which, you know, she didn't adhere to. Maybe she should have done (laughs) (laughs) but See a previous section of this podcast. But Friends also,
1: as well as just the language, it had legacy implications in terms of... Fashion and the
7: way people hung out and everything, right? Yeah, I mean the the Rachel haircut is the most obvious example of this.
1: (laughs) Stephen, you'd not heard of this. This was like a woman thing, right?
2: Yeah, so I thought when we talking about when I think of a Rachel, if you ask me what Rachel's haircut was, I think of her. It is the iconic Rachel, which is the hair down to I'm unhelpfully gesturing to a part of my body (laughs) on a radio format. Uh, Yeah, the hair down past her chest, um, very kind of just a classic long blonde hair. So I think of that
7: yeah. as the Rachel. So you call that the iconic Rachel. You could not be more wrong. Yeah, whereas the <laughs> iconic Rachel is the like short, flicky, fringy the one, right? The you
2: got in like season
5: six.
7: No, way earlier. No, it was like eight, four, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's got those awful kind of 90s bangs. Like that strands. That make everyone who's not Jennifer Aniston look like a choir boy.
2: Well, it's shorter than shoulder length. Yeah, yeah. it kind of but flicks that out. As awful. awful.
7: But it's the one that Every magazine told you you should get, but then for by years. the end
2: she goes back to the longer one.
7: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Series 10 in the last shot, she has that long yeah I'm, nice. I'm, I'm also now gesturing. <laughs> So so it's like, it's it's like, like... Boo Pite. that's what Boo we're talking Pite. about. It's yeah. Boo it's Boo Yeah, and and Jennifer Aniston hated the haircut and thought it looked awful on her, so you, I'm I'm not sure why this is the thing that we went... That's a great bit of Fashion in Friends.
2: The thing I find really distracting about Fashion in Friends, which obviously has not been influential, is how badly dressed Chandler is. I actually... It does really spoil my enjoyment of some episodes. You know, the ones where he's just like wearing so many colours on his... Oh, no. When you say
1: badly dressed, you mean he's wearing probably quite expensive clothes but they are in bad taste or he's actually wearing like sweatpants
2: No I mean he's wearing what are probably fairly expensive clothes but they either they would never work or it's like a brown sweater vest with a green striped shirt or you know, like he has a lot of really unpleasant color combinations and a lot of really unpleasant outfit combinations and I mean to be honest you have basically got to be a very attractive man to wear a sweater vest, and even then, you shouldn't. <laughs> but the sweater vests aren't actually the really bad Chandler thing. Stephanie so just
7: I attempted
1: have... to check if Stephen yeah, was I'm wearing one. On
2: a <laughs>
7: okay. It's very good. Um, this one has yep. on. arms. <laughs> well, actually the women's fashion in Friends I love, and that's one of the real joys of going back and watching the series again, is seeing Rachel in kind of. Tartan skirts and sweaters and things that look very nineties but very kind of cool and yeah. unaffordable on and their jobs. All, but... <laughs> all of
1: the long skirts they wear as well, like in the early series, that that was a real moment. Mm. Like, that needs to come yeah. back. <laughs> the, the long skirt. There's also the kind of TV industry legacy of Friends, right? Because it made a fantastic amount of money, it both for the network and for its stars. It sort of both made and broke their careers in a weird way, and they've never really any of them escaped from it. But it does mean that I still think pretty much every sitcom that comes out from, I don't know, like the Big Bang Theory to Girls, it's like, is this the new Friends?
2: In some ways, it's only similar to what happens in publishing or whatever. Yeah, once a new Harry Potter and new Hunger Games or in film. As I understand that you were saying before we started, Tina Fey had this experience with 30 Rock.
1: Yeah, she writes about this in her autobiography, that when she was kind of leaving SNL and she'd been asked by NBC, I think, if she wanted to pitch an idea for a sitcom, she pitched 30 Rock, which is like a zany workplace sketch show, almost. It's not even really a sitcom. And they were like, can it be The New Friends, though? And she was like, no, because it's different in every aspect. It happens to also be in New York, but it could equally be in Chicago or LA. And they were like, can it be The New Friends?
2: <laughs> I mean, I know that the Big Bang Theory is popular among some people, and I'm assured that they can't all be evil. But, you know, obviously that's been wildly successful. How I Met Your Mother, which I also think is fairly... Diana,
7: but... Never seen it. It has Neil Patrick Harris in it, right? Yeah. And Willow. I, c- I could yeah. never get into that, but again, I know it has huge... Always Sunny in Philadelphia, all of these yeah, kinds the, of things. Yeah, they're all there.
1: ones where you've got sort of cohabiting adults, right? Yeah. That's, that's the, the commonality. And that's presumably partly why these things get commissioned, because that worked before, so it will work
7: again. And it is a really powerful format, because I think of something like, I'm a big fan of Frasier, but having that kind of one central apartment, obviously you have Frasier and his dad And you have to then have Daphne working there. But it still doesn't quite have that same natural throwing together of characters Mm. that you get Mm. in Friends, where it is primarily set in the apartment. The interesting
2: thing is, so I uh, I reread this weekend the original pitch document for Friends. And uh, it was originally called the Insomnia Cafe, and it was pitches being like no show you've ever seen before, which I suppose it was like no show you've seen before. The interesting thing is originally the Gellers were working class, so Monica was like a hard New York chef and Ross was like the one who'd made something of himself.
1: They could have kept that class dynamic. It
2: would speak to the slightly bizarre dynamic in Friends, where apart from that one episode when they argue about not having enough money and Monica loses her job, the cash differentials between the six of them are basically not really mentioned. The thing I find interesting about the kind of friendification of the rest of the sitcoms is, I think, oddly, there are lots of things Friends got away with that they possibly got away with almost by accident mm-hmm. in that the fact that Ross and Rachel goes on for so long, I suspect that is part of the problem with Scrubs with New Girl, where they've kind of
7: tried to create a Ross, and Rachel. To create a Ross yeah. and Rachel and it doesn't work. And
2: actually a lot of the, the, the thing that Friends does spectacularly well is you don't lose patience with Ross and Rachel mm. actually.
7: And this is the thing I kind of like about Girls in that Adam Driver's characters, he also called Adam in the yeah, yeah, in the, so the show, yeah, yeah. that they're not still together, that you no. think they were going to have that kind of Ross and Rachel-style romance, and then it ended as it should have done.
2: Yeah, I think Girls is probably the most successful post-Friends. Yeah. Partly because I think, I mean, one, I think it cleverly plays with your expectations post-Friends. One, with Friends, there's very much a, oh, you know, I'm such a Joey. I know I'm not a Joey, but let's just let the audience... No, you're think, a Chandler. Yeah, there's the like, oh, I'm such a Joey. Oh, Stephanie's a Phoebe. Yeah, all that kind of thing. Whereas if you if you have a girl's character you identify with, you've probably missed the point of girls a little bit. That they're all awful. They're all awful. yeah, yeah, they're pretty um, terrible. You sort of yeah. identify with with aspects of them, but you you wouldn't ever, uh, you know, I would never want to be a Hannah Horvath.
7: I remember this coming up in in kind of my circle of friends very quickly, and that somebody went, nobody I know would ever get together with Booth Jonathan, <laughs> and then you went, oh no, oh no, they would, and it's you. Yeah. <laughs> The
1: last bit I wanted to talk about on The Friend's Legacy is episodes and the fact that Matt LeBlanc is still playing Joey in another sitcom. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. Have you seen it? You've seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So the premise of episodes is that Tamsin Greig and Stephen Mangan are British TV writers. They have a, a kind of hit, kind of History Boys style sitcom here. It wins loads of BAFTAs, it stars Richard Griffiths. It gets bought by a studio in LA and they end up through lots of like horrible twists, remaking it in America called Pucks about an ice hockey team. <laughs> and they get Matt LeBlanc to do the Richard Griffiths role as the like main adult character in it. And the show is terrible, they have a horrible time in LA, everything is terrible. But the whole thing is a meta commentary on Matt LeBlanc's post-friends career. And he is totally complicit in this. To the point where there is actually a scene in one of the series finales where David Schwimmer guest stars in it, where basically Matt LeBlanc's run out of money and he accepts one of those dodgy like million dollars from a prince of Dubai or something to go and appear at his birthday party, only to discover that David Schwimmer is there and he's been paid one point five million. You know, which that's...
7: is, which is for, for our listeners who don't know, a great callback to the David Trimow initially being paid more and more, group reading. Exactly, re- you know what I mean? Re- it's, negotiating their wages. It's it's a kind of,
1: it's just friends, again.
2: Yeah, I mean, Episodes is such a, a, a clever, but also good show in that the I think it would still be funny if you hadn't by some miracle-watched Friends.
1: Oh yeah, um, it, it just is like the best sort of meta pop culture stuff. It's just an added layer if you like that stuff. Mm. But yeah, you can still enjoy it, but... Yeah, I suppose you could argue that Jennifer Aniston is still playing Rachel in every rom-com in that she's, she's in, in. Yeah, but it's not quite—it's not a so st- deliberately yeah. self-referential. Like the whole Friends exists in the universe
7: of episodes. Like that's the reason they want to hire Matt LeBlanc for this sitcom is because he was in Friends. You know? Can I just say because I'm not sure we've done enough things in this in this podcast <laughs> to get angry tweet censors. People need to get over the possibility of a Friends reunion.
1: Yeah, I don't want it to happen.
2: It would. I mean, I, I'm, I'm relieved that this one which people were covering as one is in fact not. It's a clip yeah. show. Mm. I mean, a Friends reunion, it just would be the one which we all pretend is not canon afterwards. Yeah. You know, like the the one which ruins all the The memories. Harry
7: Potter epilogue of Friends.
2: Yeah, it's just, I mean, I
7: think yeah. Friends... Reunion? You, what reunion? would <laughs>
2: be the fan fiction tag. Achieved the remarkable feat, I think. Of a show which went out at a time of its choosing, which yes, after Chandra and Monica get married, the quality takes a dip. Mm. But it takes a dip from being laugh-out-loud funny to, <laughs> you know, to effectively yeah. a joke you wouldn't kick out of bed. And it kind of <laughs> it achieved that. It just seems such a shame to sully that with some ghastly TV movie.
1: I don't get the impression that the cast have much appetite yeah. to do it. It just who I guess it's just the media whatever that is wanting it i think that's
7: us actually yeah yeah, that's (laughs) what let's just say now like
1: we don't want it no friends reunion that's that's it we're done so now we're all going to talk a little bit
4: about the characters in friends that we've changed our minds about the most caroline is there any characters in friends that you feel like you've done a 180 on
1: i think early rachel would be my answer. Mm -hmm. I didn't really care about Rachel until maybe nearly the end of season one, the first time I watched it through. Kind of had zero interest in her backstory and didn't really get involved with her until she started having proper episode by episode storylines. Once she really got integrated and became a friend rather than just like someone Monica was letting stay with her Mm -hmm. while she was having a problem kind of thing. Yeah, so really just never gave much thought to the fact that she'd made this massive life decision on the spur of the moment and like run out of her entire life whereas now having gone back through and watched it I kind of was annoyed because we didn't get more about that like she had this whole life planned out she was going to marry this guy she was going to you know do all of these things that she'd always wanted and suddenly she was like no I can't I can't do it I this guy is boring I don't feel anything for him I want more for myself and that's really interesting what about you Anna
4: yeah so I think I used to feel quite sorry for Gunther in his like loving of Rachel Mm. and there's so many jokes where it's like oh he got friend zoned and now I'm like you're a creep (laughs) like you're actually just weird and stalkery and like you know when he does things like buys the cat Mm. to try and like lure her into his apartment and things like that you're like actually you're weird this is not like I, I shouldn't feel sorry for you you need to just get over it and like find someone in
1: your life. And how he he lets her think for ages that she's much better at her terrible waitressing job than she
4: is (laughs)
5: to sort of keep her there, which is quite creepy. Yeah,
4: the whole thing is a bit messed
5: up. My favourite character in Friends was, of course, Chandler. uh, Who could imagine what I could possibly see in a socially awkward person who keeps making jokes to deflect attention towards themselves and to worry about having to say anything too emotionally deep. I did have a slight revision on that when I met Matthew Perry at the age of about 19 when he came to speak at the Oxford Union and I, I, at the time I kind of casually called it the day that my childhood died because he was he was just a guy. He was, you know, somebody that I'd spent a huge amount of emotional investment in, had a lot of posters probably ripped out of the centrepieces of magazines and, you know, he was a really very sweet and very charming but very normal person and it was a good lesson about the existence of the concept of acting which I probably shouldn't have been that surprised about at the time but I was.
1: So John... Which aspect of Friends have you changed your mind about the most?
3: I used to think that when you're in your mid-twenties, you're really old. And now I no longer think that because I'm rather older. But genuinely, I used to think that this was a period of your life in which you were being... You were grown up, you were responsible. Um, And in retrospect, having now lived through that period of my life, I don't feel like that was even remotely true. I think you're basically still a student, but just one who has to go to a place and, and do a job for eight hours a day. I I think, like, the whole 20-something thing is basically a continuation of of your sort of undergrad years, really.
1: So, which character have you reassessed since
2: your initial watching? I think it has to be Ross, which I think is partly about growing up. And as a teenager, if, if your partner turned up at your place of work, I worked in a horrible coffee shop, so it... It it was just like, oh, you're here, my supervisor's a bit annoyed. But, you know, it was a fairly buoyant economy for rubbish service jobs for teenagers. It wasn't... I didn't really get why it was... now I see Ross turning up at his partner's place of work and refusing to leave during a crisis and the idea of someone doing that to me actually makes you want to cry and you suddenly realise Ross is a monster.
7: <laughs> so the character I most changed my mind on is actually Janice who I think you're, you're meant to hate and when I first watched the series as a teenager I did really hate her and she is very annoying. <laughs> but as I've got older and gone back to watch her again I've really admired her emotional honesty which Chandler definitely does not have when they're in a relationship together and in fact a lot of the relationships in friends are centered around that kind of playing hard to get nobody being very open with their feelings Ross and Rachel is you know 10 years worth of people just not saying what they actually mean to yeah, each other definitely so going back and looking at her with all of her screeching and hyperbole is actually quite refreshing now um, and to realise that she is a character who comes in, is unashamedly interested in someone, makes that clear. And the fact that the the butt of the joke is that she fancies Chandler and is obvious about it is is no longer as funny as it once was to me. Yeah,
4: and do you, I feel like Chandler maybe benefits quite a lot from his relationship with Janice, even though he wouldn't admit that. Do you think that?
7: I think it's true, yeah. And he kind of goes back to her to get that sort of emotional worth from her. Um, You know, he has a breakup and will inevitably crawl back to Janice. And there's, um, I don't remember it so well now, but an episode where he ends up giving her a draw and he goes, oh, maybe I can kind of... And you really feel that this is a rehearsal relationship for something he's actually going to commit to other people later on. Exactly.
6: Yeah. I think that Monica gets quite a bad rap and people really see her as becoming increasingly kind of one-dimensional as you go through because she's always cleaning and there's a joke about being fat and there's nothing else to her. But actually, as I rewatched individual episodes, she's like very career driven in that she has this dream job that she wants. She kind of goes through some quite rubbishy jobs to get there. She kind of really nails it, even when her colleagues are horrible to her. She decides to keep her job to remain in New York, even when her husband is kind of moving somewhere else. And also with the whole cleaning and cooking thing, like she is the glue that holds them together. Mm-hmm. They have such a nice time because of her. And I think pouring scorn on that is just really harsh and quite sexist.
0: Yeah. So I used to think that she was boring and the one who always had to do organized fun mm-hmm. and clean and there wasn't anything else to her. But then when I rewatched her, I had exactly the same feeling. They, they wouldn't do anything unless she was there. Mm-hmm. And she loves and to plats, host what? and they just make fun of her for it. And then they when they try to host, they realize that actually she's 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 the better host and she gets that position back
6: yeah um, exactly and I mean it's quite disturbing I mean, in that same exchange where they kind of swap flats she then basically passes out from the exhaustion of trying to make yeah. <laughs> the boys flat habitable so she can then host there but I think it does just come from her she is she is kind of knew most of the friends first she's obviously Joey's sister she went to school with Rachel she kind of is there from the very beginning is very caring towards everyone and she's kind of the heart of the group really
1: Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman.
4: You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes and Tumblr. All the links are at newstatesman.com slash s-r-s-l-y.